Welcome to Experiences Canada's Allyship Podcast Series. After participating in a four-month program of bi-weekly webinars on various social justice topics, over 50 youth aged 14 to 18 from across Canada gathered in Winnipeg, Manitoba from May 6th to 8th, 2022 to share their ideas and strategies for community action and youth engagement. As a culminating project for the program, the youth were asked to work collaboratively to develop, record, and edit these podcast episodes on youth allyship and advocacy. We are excited to share their work with the world and provide them with a platform to amplify their voices. Enjoy! Hi, so we're here with Experiences Canada's allyship program to talk about 2S LGBTQ plus issues. My name is Roy Mernhan. I am 16 years old. I am a resident of North Rustico and PEI. I use he, him pronouns, and a fun fact about me is that I have four siblings. Now I'm going to let the rest of the panel introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Tatiana Boima. I'm 17 years old and I use she, her pronouns. I'm from Vancouver, BC. And a fun fact about me is I've never broken a bone. Hey, I'm Charlie Thompson now. I'm 14 years old. I'm from Oakville, Ontario. I use he and pronouns. And a fun fact about me is I once watched all the Marvel movies in four days. Hi, I'm Lizzie Henwood. I'm 16 years old and I'm from Moncton, New Brunswick. I go by she, her pronouns. And my fun fact is that me and Roy are birthday twins. Yep. Oh my god, no, I, I still can't believe that. Hi, my name is Maxim uh, Lepage. I always forget my last name. Um, I use he him pronouns. I'm from Quebec. And a uh, fun fact about me is that I love The Office. Yeah, so I'm Jill Dobbin. I'm 17 years old. I'm from Kindersley, Saskatchewan. And I use she, her pronouns. And a fun fact about me is I have one fluffy fat cat and one not as fluffy skinny cat. So first off, Roy and I are gonna start by going through some definitions and terminology, and we just wanna put out a disclaimer that these definitions vary by person, and no two people may define their identity in the same way. All right, so I'll start off so these two are definitely some of the more common ones um, that most people know about. Um, so we have gay, which right here, so it's a person who's attracted to people of the same gender. Now, typically this, is, typically this word's used to refer to men, but there's also women who prefer um, to use um, the, the term gay, and that's totally valid. So it, it can be both. Um, yeah, and then we have lesbian, which is a person who identifies as a woman that is that is attracted to other women. So that's pretty same. They both kind of fall into the you know the umbrella of same sex attraction. Um, but then also it's important to say that um, there are non-binary people who identify as these two terms. It's not it's not super super like gender binary. You know, it's kind of like you know anybody who feels comfortable using it. It's whatever they feel most comfortable with. You know. <laughs> um, and then I, I'll probably have more to say about this because so we have bisexual and pansexual. I, I am a bisexual person. So this is, these are two that people can get mixed up a lot because, you know, there are definitely similarities. Um, like, um, and there's also a bunch of different definitions. So like Jill had said, like, I don't want to make it seem like there's only one like way. It's really just up to everybody and how they identify. Um, for me, in my experience, I've, um, from what I've learned and from what I've experienced, I feel like with bisexuality, it's mostly like, attraction based on your where you're attracted to more than two or more people 
Uh, True more genders. <laughs> That's not what I <laughs> That would be polyamory. Um, but uh, the bisexuality is where you're attracted to two or more genders. And then also gen- uh, gender still plays a big role in it. Like for me, there's different things that attract me about different genders. And then there's periods of time where I'm more attracted to one gender than the other. It's just a really like it goes back and forth. Whereas pansexu- pansexuality, from you know research and knowing pansexual people, it's very much attraction regardless of gender. So gender does not play a huge role. I think that's if you have a hard time knowing the difference between the two, that's like the main thing I would tell you is that um, bisexuality gender is a bigger part of that. Whereas pansexuality, it's a lot more about you know emotional connection and you know just general attraction. Then we have asexuality and aromantic, which I'm really glad that they recently have started getting more talked about because for a while they hadn't been. A lot of people didn't know what they meant, or if they were, they didn't know about it, so they didn't identify that way. Um, But basically, asexuality is when a person doesn't fit the traditional standards and expectations around sexual desire and attraction. So if they um, abstain from most or most or all, you know, sexual activity, they don't, that makes them feel comfortable or they don't want to participate in it, or for whatever reason, they abstain from it. Um, and they identify as asexual, that's typically what that means. But again, I'm not an asexual person. There's different definitions. It's up to everybody, like Jill has said. And aromantic is a person that experiences little to no romantic attraction. So, you know, similar, but, you know, there are differences. And then one that I did a lot of research on because I wanted to um, make sure I got it right because I, I, I am a white cis male. So, you know, I don't have a lot of, you know, experience with this. So I strongly encourage you to check out twospirits.com. So we're going to be getting into two-spirited people. So really check out that website. It has a lot of good information. Um, I found a lot. They're an organization that do stuff. So really check it out. Strongly recommend. But yeah, so two-spirited people. Basically, in the history of reserves and indigenous culture, there's a role for two-spirited people where um, elders believe that some people are born with the gift of possessing two souls, that of a male and that of a female. And then these two-spirited people would have you know special roles within their community, that, um, and they would be very... Um, important within their community but then after you know the residential schools and the assimilation in that horrible situation um, a lot of social standards and a lot of social expectations kind of got pushed on to some of the tribes some of the reserves so then they kind of adapted some of the um, negative opinions on 2s lgbtq plus um, people that society had at that point so because of that two-spirit people kind of lost their way and a lot of tribes but recently because of the awareness and because of two-spirit people really coming forward and getting more um i guess exposure and getting their voices heard they're getting more involved within their communities again and it's, it's seeming to be a really positive change and they're you know coming back and it's really good so again strongly urge you to check out twospirits.com it's probably that's probably a better resource for you than just me saying it, but it's important to mention because they're part of the community too. Yeah, so now let's move on to queer. So in the past, it was used and is still sometimes used as a slur, but has been reclaimed by the 2S LGBTQ plus community. But mostly what it is, is anyone that fits in, that is not cisgender or straight, but don't necessarily want to put a label on it or not know what their label is like it's an umbrella term over pretty much everyone that fits into the community and then straight is someone that is attracted to a different gender and now i'll just move into some like gender and sexual identity so your sex is the label that you were assigned at birth based on your anatomical features. 
And then we have gender identity, and it's how you feel your gender is. So that can be like cisgender, transgender, non-binary, or any other myriad of things. And then we have gender expression, which is how we express our gender identity. And so then we have cisgender. So it's a person whose identity is the same as the sex they were assigned at birth. And then we have transgender, a person whose gender identity differs from the sex they were assigned at birth. And if I can chip in on that, a transgender person is actually uh, like kind of an umbrella term also because non-binary also fits in this because besides inter- intersex people and a lot of others, like a few others uh, exceptions, Non-binary people are uh, often transgender, but some don't like this term, so they will just go by non-binary people. Also, uh, try not to say transsexual or things like that, because this is actually a term that was used uh, in the 90s and, like, before. And it was to, like, difference, difference? Like, uh, differentiate. Yeah, differentiate. Um, people that had surgery, you know, like bottom surgery, and people that didn't, and that made a big, a big like impact in the uh, trans community, because some people were uh, considered as less trans because they weren't transsexual. So that's a term to like maybe less like try not to use it, uh, and go more like a transgender transgender person. Also, a transgender is not a noun. You can say you cannot. Uh, yeah, so you cannot say like uh, he transgender. That's not how it works. Yeah. So then, like, we'll move on to like non-binary. So that's someone who doesn't identify exclusively as female or male. So that might be that they don't identify as either, or that they identify as like a combination of it. Like it's also an umbrella term over a lot of things. Alright, so now I'm going to quickly go through some of the history of the 2S LGBTQ plus community in Canada. So in the early colonial era, homosexuality was officially illegal and it was known as the abominable act of buggery and it was punishable by death. But in 1861, the law was moderated and it was, the punishment for being homosexual was imprisonment between 10 years and your whole life. And it's important to note that these laws were actually mostly targeted at men. Then, following Pierre Trudeau's election, his government passed Bill C-150 in May 1969, decriminalizing homosexuality for the first time in Canada's history. The modern gay liberation movement in North America began in the summer of 1961, 1969 sorry, with the New York Stonewall riots. In Canada, the first gay rights movement took place in Ottawa and Vancouver in August of 1971, and in 1977, Quebec amended its Human Rights Code to prohibit discrimination based on sexual orientation, and that same year, the Canadian Immigration Act was amended, lifting the ban on gay men immigrating. On February 5, 1981, Toronto arrested almost 300 men in raids in four bathhouses, and the next day, approximately 3,000 people marched on the streets of the 52 Division Police Precinct and Queen's Park, smashing car windows and setting fires. This was known as Canada's Stonewall Riots, and raids like this continued for years after, which led to the establishment of the Lesbian and Gay Pride Day in Toronto, which did not endorse until 1991. 
Since then, pride parades have been held annually starting in Toronto and eventually all across the country. Then, in the mid-1980s, during the AIDS epidemic, the Red Cross put on a rule that any man who had sex with another man since 1977 could not donate blood. And this rule actually made, remained in effect until 2013. In 2016, the rule was reduced from five, five years to just one year. In 1999, the Supreme Court ruled that same-sex couples must be afforded the same rights as opposite-sex couples, and in 2005, Canada became the fourth country worldwide to legalize same-sex marriage. In the spring of 2014 came the first openly gay and lesbian premier elected to the office in Canada, which was Kathleen Wynne of the Ontario Liberal Party. Now, in December 2021, which is more recently, members of the House of Commons voted to ban conversion therapies. And it's important to note that there's still 69 countries that have laws that criminalize homosexuality to this day, and gay marriage is legalized in 30 countries. Discrimination still exists against the LGBTQ plus community in Canada today, but it's important to note that there has been much improvement in our country. Thank you so much for that, Lizzie. Now, Charlie and I will be discussing heteronormativity and misogyny both within the community and heterosexual people. Heteronormativity is the idea that heterosexuality is the preferred sexual identity. This also ties into traditional gender roles, the gender binary, and ideas that the generals you were born with dictate your gender identity and expression. So, heteronormativity is really bad, negative towards people who aren't cisgender, straight, and like are part of the LGBT community because it oppresses our self-expression and how we want to identify and tries to fit us all into a binary. Some examples of heteronormativity that you normally see are like obviously like girls should be wearing pink, boys should wear blue. Um, the idea that marriage is between a man and a woman and that's how it should be now and forever. Um, obviously this is really negative. Um, if you guys would like to share some personal stories about heteronormativity. Well, I have a, I have a brother who identified as a straight, like, cis male for a while. And what I've seen is that people always said, like, do you have a girlfriend? And they never, like, it was never a question that he was straight. And I feel that that didn't help with his uh, journey to, like, find his sexual orientation. So... I think that's a lot of things that we don't consider as heteronormativity is that like asking if someone has a girlfriend or a boyfriend based on their gender, like this is heteronormativity as like its finest, you know, like that's what everyone has left. So I think it's important to like, if you want to ask if someone is in a relationship, you can ask if they have a partner or something like that to like know if they are without being like in this uh, movement, I'd say. So yeah. Yeah, and, like, people may not necessarily be dating a girl or a guy. No. Like, that's not the only gender options. Yeah. And so, like, asking, oh, do you have a girlfriend or boyfriend that is putting a gender on a person? When really, like, like Maxim said, just ask, like, if they have a partner or a significant other or something that doesn't place gender where it doesn't need to be. And I know in our education system a lot, like the books we read in English class, if they do depict relationships, they are usually like that of a uh, heterosexual relationship, a man and a woman. Or when we do sex ed classes, they split us up into boys and girls. 
and there are some kids who don't identify with either. And the things that they teach us in those classes, um, like usually are like very heteronormative, and the type of sex ed we learn is that of like a heterosexual couple, which first off like makes it so that those the queer kids are not learning the right sex ed, and that can be challenging. Yeah, and like it's in our sex ed classes, we're only taught like the heterosexual relationships. So then, like, younger students don't even know that, like, it's okay if it's not a man and a woman. Like, they don't learn that until it's, well, for some kids, it's too late by the time they eventually learn that, where it should be ingrained in the curriculum from the start. I didn't even know being gay existed until I was, like, nine years old. And, like, I feel it's so wrong because, like, how do people know they're straight before nine years old? Like, it's like you have to be straight. And if you're not, you're going to know later. Like, why do we have to act as if we're straight until we know what other possible options we can be? Like, that it's okay not to be straight. No. For me, um, heteronormativity has affected me in a sense where I feel like I've never really fit into, like, the box of heteronormativity. I've always kind of been different. And maybe that's just, maybe it was more noticeable because I was in a really small community where, you know, um, uh, my school went K to nine, so my class was just like thirteen of us for like six years every class, you know. So it was, it was pretty small. And then when everyone else is straight, you know, and then there's one who you know listens to Ariana Grande and Beyonce, you know, there's a bit of a, a bit of a disconnect there. But for me, it was like um because of heteronormativity, it was like I almost felt pressure to, well, because everyone kind of figured that I wasn't straight, so everyone was like, okay well, what are you then? So then rumors start and then all that. And then, you know, um, I, I don't get invited to stuff the parents are running. And then I'll be asked if I'm gay, rumors will be started. And it's just because and it, because of that, I ended up coming out um, last summer. And, like, I'm pretty comfortable with um, my, like, I with my identity as a bisexual person. I feel comfortable with it. But at the time when I came out, I really didn't. I was still questioning a lot of stuff. And I mostly came out because I just wanted the rumors to stop. So I just came out during the summer so I wouldn't have to go to school. So it's just kind of like, it kind of goes to show where like a straight person doesn't have to come out because a straight person is just assumed as straight, you know what I mean? But then if you're anything outside of straight, then you have to, you know, figure it out quickly because people are going to talk. And until you figure it out and make a statement, people are going to talk. And it's like, it's frustrating. It's like, you don't owe anybody anything. You should be able to take as much time as you need to figure that out. And even when you do figure it out, you don't need, you shouldn't have to like tell everybody, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating. Yeah. It's honestly like, there's such a pressure to figure out like, what you identify as and I know for me like growing up when I was like in middle school and stuff it's like I don't exactly know what to label myself as but everyone's telling me like I need a label I need to come out as something like I need to tell them and I try with like different labels and just nothing fit for me and at this point it's kind of just like I just want to love who I want to love like you know I don't want to think about it too hard I don't want to have to put a label on myself if I meet someone and I like them then that's how it's going to be um I don't think there should be such a pressure to like label yourself especially if you know none of the labels exactly fit you so what I wanted to bring up was the fact that in same-sex relationships there's a lot of like questions from straight people and like I get that you want to like learn but then there's also some very offensive questions such as which one of you is the man and which one of you is the woman like i hear that so much and it's just so offensive and disrespectful because they're both men or they're both women or they're both non-binary or whatever 
path to fit into what you expect a relationship should be. Also, I think the fact that LGBTQ2 plus people always have to justify their, themselves and what they are and why and how and it's always so exhausting because you just want to be yourself. You don't always want a label. You don't always want people like to get in your business and I feel like it's one more challenge we struggle with on top of everything else, you know. So I like that is all because the society is like being straight is normal and the rest is like that's normal and that's so like untrue. So yeah. Yeah, and I think another big, big part about um heteronormativity is media. I think media controls so much, like more than people even realize how much like the media we consume really um plays a big role in like what we think about certain things and for a really long time there was not a lot of representation there still isn't that much there's just not a lot of representation for 2s lgbtq plus people or even like people that's a whole other discussion to get into but like in the, in the now that you know um shows and you know other types of media are trying to be more diverse and you know trying to include those those stories and telling letting those people be heard Now, like, for instance, like, I love watching, like, reality shows like Big Brother and Survivor. And recently they've, like, had, you know, um, rules put in place where they have to cast a certain amount of, you know, people of color, a certain amount of, like, 2S LGBTQ plus people. But then now, when they'll have those discussions on the show, like, the people who identify as queer, they'll be like, like, then everybody online will be like, oh, it's getting so political. I miss when the show was just so, it was just about, like, entertainment. It's like, well, that, that was, like, for you because you were the one being represented. But, like, now that other people are being represented, you don't like it. Like, also, when people, like, when celebrity do their coming out, if we think about, like, Jojo Siwa, I don't know if you yeah. saw that. Yeah. Everyone was so, like, it was a controversial uh, event. I mean, one person just declared she was lesbian, and people were like, oh, like, if she's lesbian, I don't want my kids to look at that. Or, like, oh, if she's lesbian, I don't like her anymore. Like, that shouldn't be a factor if you like a celebrity or not. Like, gender expression is something that is only for them and you shouldn't like base your way to like support someone based on that you know yeah and like you liked this person say it's like your friend you liked them before they came out so why is it why what makes you dislike them now that they're out also if i can add they were always gay yeah, like they, they were just they didn't gay. tell you. So like that yeah. is just something that you choose to do just based on your like judgment, you know. Adding on to like the JoJo Siwa situation, like I remember a lot of like people, like a lot of kids' parents would be like, "Well, no, I don't want you watching like JoJo Siwa's videos or stuff like that anymore because she's lesbian." Like I just don't want to like, you know, like I feel like you're too young to see this, but. Then, like, kids go and watch Disney movies and, you know, the Disney princess is kissing the prince or whatever. Like, you see that in kids' shows and kids' movies a lot, like heterosexual couples. Why can't your kid be exposed to someone who's part of the LGBTQ plus community? Like, I just don't get what's wrong with that. Like, Jojo Siwa is such a good person. And, like, she's just on her journey just like everyone else is in life. And the fact that she decided to do her coming out, I think it's really great for her. Because, like, as someone that has such a big platform, it's really, like, a big event. So, yeah. Yeah, and, like, it shows, like, those kids that it's okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. because they're always seeing the straight couples, but never anything outside of that. 
Yeah, and just hopping off what you said about Jojo Siwa, I just want to give her her flowers because yeah. I don't know, if, I don't know if you guys watch. Um, again, I'm really showing myself the reality TV person. <laughs> I watched Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. Um, she was um after she came out, she wanted Dancing with the Stars, and she was a part of the first um same sex like pairing on Dancing with the Stars, and that was such a moment for people. Um, so yeah, I just want to give her flowers. She was so raw. Love about Jojo Siwa. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, as we've covered, like heteronormativity really impacts um, everyone, but specifically those part of the community. So now moving on, we're going to cover misogyny. And a simple definition of misogyny would just be the hatred of anyone who isn't a man. Um, So specifically, like cis women, trans women, those who are non-binary. and we see misogyny, like, it's rooted in all the lives every day. Um, it's in the patriarchy, our gender pay gap, the sexual harassment of women, violence against women, specifically femicide, which is, like, the killing of a woman simply for the fact that she is a woman. Um, in some places, they will, like, kill newborn girls simply for the fact that they were born as girls. And obviously, like, this is very harmful when women are constantly seeing that they are less than and that they deserve less than their male counterparts. If I can add, like, you know, like we say, like, uh, equality uh, between men and women is better. It is better, but it's not perfect because, like, okay, they might get the same job with the same qualification if they're lucky, but once they're there, men will most likely get promotions before women just because they're men, so... Yeah, and the women will get, like, the jobs that are typically seen as feminine jobs, and they aren't getting the ones where they're in the real power position, or even, like, finances. Like, they aren't getting those jobs simply because they're a woman. Yeah, and then the other thing is, now lately we've seen um, companies trying to be more diverse with, you know, hiring more women and um, more people of color. But then whenever they get hired, then there's the talks of like, oh, well, they only got hired to, you know, fill the diversity spot. Or they only got hired because they're a woman. Or they only got hired because they're a person of color. Like a big incident, I don't know if you guys heard, but um, I think it was um, Joe Biden was hiring, um, he hired a black woman, I think it was for Supreme Court. Yeah, right. Um, and then a lot of people were talking, they're like, oh, she was only hired because she was a black woman. She was only hired because they needed diversity. It's just, it's like, but then if it was a white man, nobody would have thought that. Everyone would have just been like, oh, who's just, you know, a qualified person. Because, you know, it's, it's, it goes into, like, misogyny where we have preconceived notions that, you know, if a man, if a man gets uh, something, he deserved it and he worked for it. And if a woman gets something, she was given it because they needed to look good. Yeah, and, like... The sad thing is sometimes that is why women get jobs in power. Like, it's not always that situation, but sometimes it is. Well, the fact that it is is already too much. It should just not never be like that. I think it's also really important to note that here in the West, like in Canada and the United States, there is a lot of improvement between, like, the equality of both genders. Like, women can get jobs now and stuff like that, but... Um, in my English class, we actually looked at a National Geographic article called I Am Nine Years Old, which we can probably link in the description of this, where they interviewed a lot of nine-year-olds across um, the world. And some of the, some of the little girls would say how in their country, they can't get jobs, or in their country, they can't even go to school. But then when they interviewed the girls from Canada, 
there was like one from Ontario who said like everyone's equal like I can do just as much as a man so I think like it's really important to note that in a lot of countries it's still not like it's still not anywhere near as equal as it is here in Canada. So I'm going to go on with misgendering, which is a term that uh, applies to trans uh, non-binary people and also cisgender people. So the definition of misgendering is to identify the gender of a person incorrectly, so using an incorrect label or pronoun. So usually it happens mostly like trans people, but it also happens to cisgender people when they don't fit in the like the heteronormativity uh, box. It's so, like if a girl is more masculine, she might get called he or vice versa. So what does misgendering include? It includes a lot of things. I'm not going to talk about all of these, but um, it includes mostly using the wrong, the wrong pronouns and using a dead name. So a dead name is when someone changes their um, first name or family name for uh, personal reasons so like uh, gender identity journey um, like trauma or whatever so using someone's dead name can really be traumatizing and bring back some things that were uh, left in the past so um, using gender language is really a bad thing to do because uh, it can really be like harmful. It's like if you're in a sh- in a shop and you the cashier you don't know what are their pronouns, don't say like thank you sir or thank you miss because that can trigger their gender dysphoria. So it's a bad idea to do that. You can just say thank you. I think that's like just way easier also because you are sure to not make any damage. Uh, also using gender language to refer to a group. So like saying like okay ladies calm down or something like that can be bad because if someone in there doesn't identify as a woman, it can also, once again, trigger their uh, gender euphoria, uh, dysphoria. <laughs> yeah, one thing I wanted to add, like, we do have gender-neutral terms that we could use, like, if referring to a group, you could call them folks or y'all or other yeah, things. there are a lot of things yeah. you can say that are not harmful, so yeah. just try to find the good ones. And, like, for, like, ladies and gentlemen, you could go with esteemed guests. Or ladies, gentlemen, and everyone in here. Like, just yeah. try and be more inclusive. It's really just a little step that can make a big difference in someone's days. And I think another thing that's important to mention that is still a pretty big ongoing issue is that non-binary people don't owe you androgyny, and then trans men don't have to owe you um, society's version of masculinity, and trans women don't have to owe you um, society's version of femininity. It's like... It's however you identify. So if a trans woman um, dresses and shops in the men's section, or does or presents um, how society would view masculine, if they if they still present themselves and still express themselves as a woman, and that's still who they are, that's they can't change that. That's just who they are. They're they're just as much as a woman as a trans woman who is super feminine, does her nails, you know, and all that, you know. So I feel like that's super important. So I feel like a lot of times people use the excuse like, oh well. You know, I don't have to, you know, use the correct pronouns because, like, they don't, they don't pass. They, they don't, don't look. look. Like, they don't look like them. Or, like, yeah. oh, the, this non-binary person, does, they just look like this gender. It's like, well, they don't owe you androgyny. That's just the, the pronouns they feel most comfortable with, you know? Also, asking to choose someone's uh, gender category, so, like, male, female, um, on, in forms, in physical education, everywhere, bathrooms, um, this is so wrong because 
sometimes people don't identify or are not comfortable with going to the bathroom in the male's or in the female bathrooms. Also, a thing that we need to remember is that gender doesn't identify sex. So if someone is like, oh, uh, are you a girl or a boy? That's a bad question. If you want to know, ask someone their pronouns or be respectful of the fact that don't, not everyone always identify as a girl or a boy. Um, also, another form is uh, giving a per- opportunities uh, to girls, but not to trans women or to boys and not trans boys. So, like sports, um, school programs, there's a lot of these things that are often like forgotten in this uh, category. So, how does it feel to be misgendered? I think I'm the only one here that gets misgendered like often. <laughs> so, I'm gonna go like from uh, a metaphor I like. That if you told someone your favorite color was blue or your favorite um, drink is coffee and they keep like giving you pink or other colored things or like tea or other drink and saying no that this is this is your favorite drink this is your favorite color this is you this is like saying this is someone that decides for you who you are and that is so wrong because it feels like you feel really disrespected also some people say that it's like if someone said but you're not really a woman, casually in the middle of a conversation, and no one, like, reacts. Like, this is really, like, you have to justify your existence, you have to justify who you are, like, always in the middle of conversations that are totally unrelated to your gender. Uh, so yeah, this is, like, really something that is, like, harmful to the, the trans community. So, what do you do when you misgender someone? This is an excellent question because a lot of people don't know and just keep like adding on to like the, the error they just made. So the best way to react, in my opinion, but like this, once again, this changes with every people, every person. So like, just try to do the best you can and don't make it a big deal. So the best way you can react is just cor- apologize, correct yourself and move on. Don't make it a big deal. Don't say, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. It's just like, don't change the conversation because most people get misgendered like daily. That's that's a really sad thing, but it happens. So to like always make it a big deal, it's really exhausting for us. So just move on, work on it and try not to like redo it. But it happens and we do that. We we do know and we are like mindful of you try. So the important thing is that you try and like don't do it on purpose. So that's actually it <laughs> on, the, on my subject. Yeah, like I have quite a few trans friends who have actually known since we were pretty little, like since kindergarten, and they would have only come out like when we got to high school or at the end of middle school. And like I know that it's kind of hard at first to, you know, get the pronouns down, like call them by you know, their preferred name, all that, but honestly, like, you really got to try, and eventually it'll come easier to you, I can tell you that. Also, if I can add, when someone just does their coming out as a trans per- person, um, even if they don't look, like Roy was saying, you don't have to look like a, like a boy to be a boy, so don't put yourself too much pressure, pressure. just look as you want to look, and be yourself and love yourself because that's all really that matters because people will I'm really sorry to tell you this but there will always be like people that will be mean there will always be people that will be mad so like just be yourself and try to do the best you can because you're the only person that's always going to be there for you so like you have to 
take care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and like, say you're, like, cisgender women, they don't all look the same. Yeah. Like, women don't always present themselves in a feminine way. It's, like, really, it doesn't make a difference how you present yourself. Like, that's personal opinion and comfort, really, more than... Like, I wear jeans and hoodies all the time because that's my comfort level. And that's, that's like, totally fine. Yeah. And also, another way, if you don't want to misgender someone, when you meet someone, try to say, like, oh, what's your name and what are your pronouns? That right there is, can really make a difference because it will just, like, set the line to everyone's ego. It's like, just because not every trans person is, like, will just start introducing themselves and be like, oh, I'm Max Saban, my pronouns are he, him. So, like, to just make this normal to ask for pronouns, it really changes the thing. Or, like, put it in your bio, like, your bio, Instagram, uh, Facebook, TikTok. Like, this really changed things because then uh, trans people are less targeted by, like, pronouns used. Um, so one thing I wanted to bring to light was you don't have to like someone to respect their pronouns. Like, it's just a basic human thing to respect their pronouns and their gender identity because I've had people who have been friends with trans people and use their pronouns correctly, but then, like, they get into a fight then to be, like, petty or disrespectful or whatever to show that they don't like them anymore. They misgender them, like, constantly, and it's just really bad and disrespectful and can be harmful. Yeah, and, like, you don't have to like someone just to respect their basic human rights. Yeah. It's kind of bouncing off what Charlie said, like, and, and what you said, like, if, if you, like, got into falling out with your friend who was trans and started using, started dead naming, using the wrong pronouns, it kind of just shows you never really truly respected them um, with the gender they were and never really believed that they actually were that. Because the thing is, if you end up falling out with another friend of yours who was cisgendered, you wouldn't start calling them by the wrong pronouns. That would just be a really weird thing to do, you know? It's weird either way. Yeah, it's not? just like, it just shows that, you know, you never, you always saw them as different because that's not something you would do with your other friends, you know? And the argument that some people use of like, oh, I'm not going to call you they or them. Like, that's not proper English. We use they and them in the singular, like, all the time. Like, oh, yeah. someone forgot their backpack. Yeah, no, I'm going off to their house. Yeah, so I like I that argument just like shows that you're like ignorant and that you don't care. Like you do not care about proper grammar. Like you can really string a sentence together. <laughs> you just want to be a bigot. So please do not do that. And yeah, like I'm sorry, but we use it all the time. And like I'll have teachers say like, oh, but they them that's plural, you can't use that in the singular. But you do all the time. Like, in reality, people use they, them in the singular all the time, and it shouldn't be a big deal. Yeah. Even though people are making it into a big deal. Yeah, and also, always use someone's pronouns even when they are not in the room. Because my mom actually did, I love her, like, she got better, right? But, like, at the beginning, she was really, like, she wasn't used to it. And when I wasn't there, she would still use she, her when talking about me. And, like, that also defeats the purpose of using when I'm there because that just means that you're never going to get used to using he, him. So try the most you can. And if someone makes an error, just correct them nicely. Do not like be mean because ha- errors happen. In the beginning, I even like, I made errors myself. I would like misgender myself. So like really don't put too much pressure on, pressure on yourself. 
And like, if someone doesn't like an error, just correct them. Unless it makes like it can it's in a dangerous situation. Don't put yourself in danger. But if someone is nice, just be nice and say, oh, actually, they use they them pronouns. Most people will just correct them, or like themselves, and move on. Like I said, you need to do. So yeah. So I think we're gonna have to wrap up a little bit. So we're gonna give you some resources if you need help or if you need to talk. Um, so we have a website. What well, we don't have it, like our website. <laughs> it's called Justice for Children and Youth. Uh, so we're going to put the link in the description, uh, so that you can have uh resources. But there are like Trans Lifeline, Justice Trans, uh, Native Youth Sexual Health Network, LGBTQ uh, Youth Line. There are a lot of uh really good resources. So I'm gonna put this in the description, and uh, we just. I want to say thank you for being here, I think, uh, listening. Um, and just before we leave, I think we might want to share some good experiences we've had because there is some good people and, like, we can, it is possible to have fun. Yeah, and it's yeah. a good, like, example. Um, I guess I can start really quick. So I take, I'm, in, I'm a French immersion student. Um, I've been taking French since grade four. And this year I had a French teacher, her name's Lucienne Soucy. So she, so French is a very um, gendered language where everything's, you know, masculine or feminine. So gender. Uh, so it's like hard. But recently, you know, there's been efforts within, you know, communities and hopefully, you know, it'll get to, you know, laws and, you know, language and everything like that. So, you, but to make it more like, um, have options for non-binary people and my French teacher made sure like whenever she was teaching vocabulary to include you know what you could say if you were like referring to someone who was non-binary or you were talking to them like how people and people from Quebec or different French areas you know would say that and I thought that was super super great because I hadn't learned anything like that in French immersion I had never learned about non-binary um, vocabulary or anything like that so I really appreciated that so yeah that's just a one example. At my school we had a drama teacher named Mr. Sangster who would put on drag shows, and our, like, teachers, our male teachers would dress up in drag. This so was cool. obviously pre-COVID, <laughs> um, and they would all compete, and we would, like, bring in a local drag queen, so one of them was actually Kendall Gender, who actually competed <gasps> on Candace Drag Race. No. It was amazing. <laughs> that um, was so cool. I, like, obviously, I wish we still did this, but unfortunately, he moved schools, but that was Aww. just really, um, it just helped to make our community more inclusive. One thing I love is how um, we're being a lot more accepting to the LGBTQ plus community now. Like, um, I think the thing I love most is the fact that a lot of events and activities, they get you to say your pronouns first. That's not something that we did like a couple years ago. This is kind of something that's new, at least for me. Like a lot of the organizations I'm in, even in some of my classes, they get you to introduce yourself with your pronouns. And I just love that. It just makes it like a lot more accepting. And our, can we just talk about the fact that there is change happening? Yeah, yeah. it is sure. happening. Maybe not as fast as we would like, because we are kids and we like it when it goes fast. All right, yeah. Let's just say it. But like, <laughs> it is happening and slowly, but it is. And I think in a few years, we'll be way better like than we are right now. So we just have to be patient and get support and like stay safe. Yeah, and like... Right now, there's a lot of law changes, but then our next step is societal change. Yes. Yeah, and so we just wanted to thank everyone for thank listening. You so much. Yeah. Thank, thank you so thank much. You. And we would like to thank Experiences Canada for this incredible experience. We had yes. so much fun. I don't yeah, know how it's been so good. <laughs> so yeah, thank Have you. Have a nice day, guys. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Bye.
We would like to take a moment to thank our wonderful sponsors, the Department of Canadian Heritage, Canada Life, Power Corporation, and WestJet for making this series possible. Experiences Canada is a nationally registered charity that helps young Canadians to explore their country in ways they may have never imagined through reciprocal exchanges, forums, and other experiential learning opportunities to travel and connect with one another. Please visit our website, www.experiencescanada.ca, for more information on our programs. Be sure to check out the other podcasts in our allyship series and learn alongside us as we work towards becoming better allies in all aspects of our lives.